I'm Stephanie Cox, and this is Mobile Matters. Today, I'm joined by Cynthia Padmanathan. Cynthia is a vice president fellow at eBay, where he leads the front end and user experience engineering across eBay's marketplace. Since joining eBay eight years ago, Cynthia has transformed eBay's technology platform with his outside the box projects and initiatives. His leadership has paved the way for rapid software development and innovation across the entire organization. And he was recognized as one of the 2018 honorees for the Silicon Valley Business Journal's 40 Under 40. Currently in his role as a technical fellow, he leads the web platform for eBay, specifically focused on efforts to make eBay experiences faster across the web, iOS, and Android. Before joining eBay, he was a software engineer with the Yahoo Mail team. In this episode, Cynthia and I talk a lot about how finding a career you're passionate about makes work not actually feel like work, why there's value in saying no to 99 things and yes to one, and what he really likes about web components and Docker containers. And make sure you stick around to the end, where I'll give my recap and top takeaways so that you can not only think about mobile differently, but implement it effectively. Welcome to the show, Cynthia. I am super excited to talk to you about a ton of tech topics, but one of the things I want to know is how did you get started in tech and get where you are today at eBay? It all started uh, when my mom enrolled me in a programming class uh, course uh, in my sixth grade. It was about a basic programming language, and that was, uh, uh, that was one of the hot topics in those days. Um, and uh, it was very fascinating for me that uh, you give a set of instructions and the thing, the computer in front of you starts executing them. I think it was the moment that I got hooked up into it and there was no turning back. So my uh, in school, I did various uh, courses, but um, computer science and software engineering were always the thing that I wanted to do. Similarly, in my undergrad, among all the subjects, I always preferred to do computer science. And my master's was also on software engineering. So even if I had not had a job in computer science or software engineering, I'd probably do that as a hobby. And now I'm getting paid to do my hobby. Um, I think that's how I, I, I look at it. And um, so when you do things that uh, you really love to do every day and you put your 100% into it, it sooner or later starts reflecting in your career itself. And that is one of the reasons that um, I'm here. I love that you said it's kind of like my hobby turned into my career and how important it is to love what you do. That's one of the things I talk to a lot of people about is when you love what you do, work doesn't feel like work. Right. That's exactly right. It's like vacation every day. It's like a, a stressful vacation. So tell me a little bit about your role at eBay and what you're responsible for overall. I'm a technical fellow at eBay. Um, I lead a, a lot of initiatives uh, uh, here at the company. So it's mostly technical initiatives. Uh, a couple of things that I did recently was um, I uh, did the whole initiative to migrate eBay.com to HTTPS, a secure protocol. Before that, I worked in accelerated mobile project, uh, mobile uh, accelerated mobile pages project AMP, and I brought that into eBay. And um, lately, I've been leading an initiative called Speed, which is to make the whole eBay experiences across native and web faster. Um, so I'm an individual contributor, and um, I have teams uh, from various uh, across organizations working with me. Um, and um, that's pretty much what I do. That goes great into my next question. When you think about strategy for the web and mobile at eBay, how do you figure out what you should be doing or what projects you should tackle next? So by mobile, do you need do you mean native or uh, web? Because that is mobile web too, right? I, so I love to define mobile as anything that is not a desktop computer. So that includes mobile devices that could be on mobile web or native mobile. It could be wearables, it could be voice even. So the way at, at eBay, we look at it, right? When we do web and native, 
we don't think that it that it competes with each other. We actually think they complement each other and they complement each other very well. Um, so it comes to the core value of our uh, for our company, which is to build the best experience for your customers, irrespective of what platform they are. They can be on iOS, they can be on Android, they can be on web, they can be on mobile web. It doesn't matter. They have to get the best experience and a consistent experience. Because at the end of the day, if you see uh, a customer is not just on one platform, they may be on your native platform and then they come to the web platform later in the day. We just want to have a seamless transition there. So that is one thing that we clearly love to do at eBay and that's the thing that we focus on a lot. And and in general, if you take mobile web, uh, mobile web is one of our biggest user acquisition channel. Uh, a lot of new users onboard onto eBay platform through mobile web. So we want to make a good first appearance there and we take extra care in making sure our mobile web experiences are well optimized and well uh, delivered for our customers. Anything we do, it's in fact, we a lot of times we do mobile first, uh, but there is always mobile into it because that is the biggest spectrum of where our customers are. Any product we launch, it's always uh, the mobile angle comes first. Earlier, you mentioned accelerated mobile pages and how you worked on a project at eBay for that. Can you tell me a little bit about why you gave AMP a try and what you were trying to accomplish with it? Uh, this again goes back to my previous point. Like one of the reasons we wanted to, we thought about AMP uh, is to give a good customer experience. A lot of eBay users uh, come to eBay through search engines and in this case, Google. And it, this is particularly true in mobile devices when a lot of our users are in physical stores. Uh, they want to compare uh, products online. Uh, so they want to see a price match. They want to do some competitive analysis. And they go and Google about the product there. Um, and eBay results show up. And uh, we wanted to make sure those results are rendered to our customers in the fastest way possible. Uh, because they are mostly in an internet connection that is very variable because they are inside a store, they are on the go. And AMP sort of normalizes it through AMP cache and preloading. Um, so we thought that we should get uh, we should get this benefit to our customers. And that was one of the main reasons we went behind AMP is to make sure that when they Google, when they come from external search engines, they get the best experience possible. And I know you're still early on your journey with AMP for eBay, but how is it going so far? It is, it, is go, it is going good. I mean, we have increased sessions. Uh, the conversion is pretty neutral. Um, we are still working on some of the tracking implementations. Uh, but the thing to note here is this, that eBay already has a well-optimized mobile web experience. Uh, a lot of the patterns that we see in AMP is already sort of been done at eBay in our mobile web experiences. So the speed benefit is something that we already get. Uh, the, with AMP, we get that first initial uh, quick instant rendering. And after that, it's our platform which takes control of it. So this is sort of expected and we are in that journey and we'll see how it goes. When you were speaking earlier about some of the initiatives that you've led at eBay, one of the things that came to my mind was around innovation. So at eBay overall, how do you think about innovating and trying kind of the latest and greatest in technology and pushing the envelope? I think the thing that I like about um, eBay is that right, we don't get carried away by the new fancy stuff, the new new technology that enters the market every other day. I mean, we, I mean, that's the world we live in, right? We are, we are bombarded with all these uh, new things every day. So it, having said that, it doesn't mean that we don't try new things or we innovate. We do that every day. Every day in our work, we try to innovate and come up with new ideas. But we all ask one question uh, for our products to be launched. What difference does it make to our customers? It's a very simple question. And this question really helps us, keeps us, helps us keep grounded uh, keeps us in reality and makes sense that the product we deliver adds value to our customers. Um, and that is one thing I keep telling to our teams, right? The real skill these days is to say no to 99 things and say yes to one thing 
that really matters to our customers. And that's how we look at innovation at eBay. It is about what value at the end of the day it adds to our customers. Another topic that I know you've spoken on a lot before is mentorship. And so when you're thinking about that, what role do you think other web development leaders should be playing in mentoring young, younger talent? And then also, what role have you played yourself in doing that? One issue that I constantly uh, see uh, younger talent struggle is, again, a point that, uh, that I mentioned uh, uh, earlier is information overload. They get bombarded with so much of information every day that they, they constantly struggle with it. They want to be on top of everything, uh, but it's humanly not possible for us to know everything that's happening in the world. This is one of the things I tell the people that I mentor and I also tell other leaders that you should tell your teams is that don't worry about all the things that are happening. Uh, nobody can follow them. Focus on the specific things that you are working on that is important to you and go deep in them. So you will start focusing on them. You'll become, you'll be good at it and eventually you'll be great at it. If you just focus on those small number of things that you need to do, um, this is one of the uh, top mentorship suggestions that I give to the people that I mentor. And I also suggest the same to the people that I work with. I think it's a really great point. There are so many, I call them shiny objects, new technologies, new ways of doing things. And we're, it's almost like to the point of like how you're bombarded with ads. I feel like tech players and people in tech roles are bombarded with like new technologies and the latest and greatest. And how do you figure out what is the right option for your business? And what is literally a flash in the pan that six months from now, we're never going to talk about again? Right. I think that is that is the key differentiator here. And that's why you have to be very good in saying no. You should just not get carried away with things that, that come at you every day. You should do some deep analysis and see what's the difference it's eventually going to make. And I think that's a good point. And that's a question we keep asking. So thinking about that, one of the other challenges we have is really how do you figure out what is going to move things forward for your business and is going to be not just a flash in the pan, but really a long-term tech strategy. So think about the web in general. Where do you think the future of the web is headed and what should be people, people be paying attention to right now? To, to answer that question, uh, I think we can derive that answer from the past itself. If you've seen the web in the past, right, the history has shown us that it has had a roller coaster ride. Um, but at the end, the web has always come strong. Um, in the in the desktop days, in the old desktop days, um, if you see, there were a lot of email clients uh, that used to be apps, the desktop apps that used to be there. Um, and now nobody, now we all use web-based clients for emails. We use web-based clients for documentation, Excel uh, presentations, and things like that. Um, and similarly, the same thing happened when the mobile smartphone things came up where NATO was trying to take over everything. And there were talks about the web being dead, but that didn't happen. The web is still relevant. The web is still closing the gaps with NATO and it will just be acting along the side uh, with equal power. I think the uniqueness about the web is the openness, the, the discoverability and the distribution that you get through platform independence, right? Any device uh, in the world has a browser in it these days. And if you have a browser, you have web. That's how simple it is. Um, until you have these unique characteristics, I think the web is definitely going to have a bright future. Um, and every technology wave that we are seeing, web has a major part to it. Um, that's how I look at the future of web. There is always things that are happening, but the web itself has this fundamental characteristics that is going to take us, take us much further. So thinking about that, what are the biggest opportunities that you see or other leaders should be seeing for where the web is headed that they should be taking advantage of today? There are a lot of areas that, that the web is headed, right? I think the web is going to be unanimous everywhere. 
one specific area that i feel very interesting going forward is that every device around you just not the smartphones uh, it's a, it's your uh, from your locks to your washing machines to your refrigerators they are all becoming smart devices and smart appliances going forward um, and i think any visual feedback that these devices are going to provide is going to happen through the web platform i think that's that's one area that i would start thinking where web is headed to i mean it is not possible to have a native implementation in all of these devices across there is one standard implementation and that's the web um i think web is going to be present present beyond just what you're seeing in your desktop and your phones um i think that is the area that i will start thinking and focusing on going forward where people want to just have interactivity in everything they do and i think web has a major role to play in that so if you got to wave a magic wand and control where web is headed what would you like to see happen in the next 3 to 5 years on the web Uh, the web is evolving at a very rapid pace uh, to be honest with you there are so many innovations that are happening in the platform they are trying to close the gap with native and things like that and i think that's that's good i think that's the thing that we need with web but i think that should also accelerate i'm thinking if you ask me a couple of things i would say agreement on standards and yet i want diversity among browsers uh, because that sort of uh, that sort of ensures the checks and balances so standards help web developers a lot so that they can start thinking about the future and start uh, not worrying about varied implementations they can do with one implementation and it starts working everywhere and this browser diversity sort of helps to keep everything in control so that just one party doesn't take over things and uh, and have it their way i think that's the good thing about web 2 and um, these are the two things i would say that i would want agreement on standards and diversity among browsers One of the hot topics right now and kind of the conversation around web is the impact of web components and docker containers and how what that could do for web development. So what's your kind of position on that? What do you think is possible with it? What do you think are the limitations? I love both these technologies. In fact, web components is finally the standards way of uh, creating reusable and shared uh, UI components. Um and you do it without having a dependency on a framework or a library. I think that's the cool thing. You just have to create the component. It's going to be working just like that. because the it's all embedded in the browser it's a standards way of doing it so and more importantly the other thing i like about web components is that it just works like how html works you just need to know html in order to consume a web component it's the same declarative api that web components use you declare them and then you uh, change the state by using javascript so that's again makes web components a very attractive alternative to a lot of other things out there because it just need to know html The one downside that I see with web components is that there is still lack of server side rendering at scale. Um that is important for at least companies like eBay where we want to make sure that we give a very fast first experience and also SEO. Um whereas with web components you need to have a javascript that's getting downloaded on the client and then the component getting rendered. Um that is the one sort of downside that I will see with web components. But other than that, I think that is the right thing to do. um and your other point was sort of about docker right yeah docker containers have become the go to destination mechanism for applications right now i mean everybody just loves them i think um they are very developer friendly and especially for web development they guarantee a consistent environment that that provides a deterministic output i mean this is something that we have been struggling to get for a long time and finally docker docker containers give it So I think that's why the web community and generally the engineering community is embracing docker containers a lot. One of the things that I've noticed and I don't know if it's an accurate representation of the whole community as a whole is that there's a strong desire to move towards 
more of, you know, containerization with Docker. But there actually seems to be a little bit of a skills gap with at least some of the engineers I've talked to who have no experience with Docker yet and their companies are wanting to move forward with it. So how do you think about someone learning how to create Docker containers and use those? It is like uh, learning any new technology for that matter. I think Docker comes with some of the basic uh, principles of computer science and some of the things that you would learn with the Unix world. I think those things are part of Docker. Uh, containers. That will be some learning curve, but I think that's worth the learning curve. I would invest uh, my engineering or my company resources to train the engineers on learning it because it's one time, and but that's going to have a lot of uh, uh, usage down the line. It's, it's going to reap a lot of benefits down the line. Probably I will I will put a training plan for that and uh, and have engineers onboarded. But based on my experience, uh, engineers self learn it very quickly, and once they are there, there's no turning back at all. So we've talked about Web Components, Docker, we've talked about AMP. What are the other areas that maybe aren't as hot right now in the development community that leaders really need to start paying attention to? Or other areas just in general when we think about just development overall? I think, uh, I mean, uh, one thing that I would say is empathy towards customers, right? I mean, technology is ultimately to solve a customer problem. You can be an enterprise company or a consumer-based company, but you have customers. And I think if you put yourself in the customer's eye, I think that's what will give you the real solution to the problems. Uh, a lot of times, we engineers, including myself, I get carried away by, by all these technology stuff, right? But over time, I have learned that that's, the thing is that the technology itself is not important. The value it provides to your customers is what is important. And you start focusing and paying your attention towards that, I think things start falling in place and things start working out well. I completely agree. I think one of the things too that I think of a a lot that is really related to development, but also kind of not, is the idea of just diversity in tech. So I'd love to hear your kind of point of view on how we can think about improving diversity in tech. It is a very important topic. um, And I believe in the statement that uh, talent is universal, but opportunity is not. And we have to make opportunity also universal. And the way we can make it is through awareness. Um, Currently, I see there is lack of awareness in a lot of folks not even knowing that this opportunity is present. And sometimes they know the opportunity is present, but they don't know how to approach that opportunity. And sometimes they just feel that they may not be the right candidate for that opportunity, although they are. I mean, all this, if you see, is level of lack of awareness across various levels. Um, I think we should start addressing this problem. I think everybody in the world if they know they are skilled in something, they should know where the opportunities are and they should know the clearly, they should have clarity on, on how to approach those opportunities. Um, eBay, at eBay, this is again one of our core values is to be richly diverse. And this is what we try to do. We try to make these opportunities av- available for everyone at scale. And um, this is not going to open overnight, happen overnight. But I think if we keep doing this, eventually we'll be in a place where this problem gets fixed. One of the other things I think a lot of people can learn from someone like you, given your experience, is really how to be successful in this type of role. So if you're talking to someone and they are you know, either getting ready to go into college or fresh out of college and they're in a development career, what's that one piece of advice that you would want to give them so they can get started on the right foot? I would say focus on the basics. And even before that, right, I would say when you start, when you start your career, right, you need to know clearly what you want to do. Uh, everybody have been in that uh, in in that pair of shoes where we where we think that we know this is what we want to do, but we will not get the right thing to do, and so we just uh, go along, keep going. 
um, that is fine for some time, but eventually you have to make a decision and see, is this the right thing that you're doing? Is this what you really love to do? And then make a, de- make a decision on that. Um, the problem is a lot of people procrastinate on that decision and they procrastinate for a long time. And by that time, all the peak opportunities are gone. So I would say that when you, when you, when you start your career, it's fine, you get started on something, but over time you got to clearly see what is it that you really like is that what you're doing so you're supposed to do and is that making you happy and are you really productive and then make the decision there that is so true one of the things i talk to a lot of people about especially when they're early on early on in their career regardless of what industry and role they play is one of the best things you can do fresh out of school in your first job or two is learn what you're good at what you're good at and you enjoy doing right and what you're not good at and but want to get better at and then my favorite which is i'm good at it but i please don't ever make me do it again and that to me is so crucial because to your earlier point when we first started talking about this idea of if you can find something that you're good at that you enjoy doing work isn't really work exactly yes so i wish that more people could find that i think that that's what you should uh, i think that would be the ultimate goal right like when you eventually uh, get to a feeling that your work is not work. I think then uh, it's already you're successful in what you're doing. Exactly. I really loved hearing Cynthia's take on increasing diversity in tech because he really came at it from a different perspective that I believe is so important for all of us to consider. Diversity in tech isn't possible without people understanding what's possible for them, which means awareness is key. If you don't realize you could have a career in tech because no one ever told you that was a possibility, then how would you know it's a potential career path you could take and how to even look for the opportunity? As leaders, we've got to do a better job of sharing what's possible with a career in tech, how we got started, and making sure younger generations see this as a potential career path for them. It reminds me of some of the great work that nonprofit organizations like Project Lead the Way and Code.org are doing. They're exposing children to the potential of a career in tech at a young age, which means they're going to be more likely to see that as a potential career opportunity for them later in life. And I honestly believe that's how we really need to start thinking about diversity and how true diversity in tech can happen. Now, let's get to my favorite part of the show where we take the education and apply it to your business. There are so many great insights from my conversation with Cynthia that can really help transform how you think about mobile marketing and just digital experiences. Let's dive into my top three takeaways. First, life is too short to not love what you do. And I really mean that. I'm a firm believer that you should love what you do. And that means you should enjoy your job. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that every day at work is going to be all puppies and rainbows. But if you're passionate about what you're doing at work, work doesn't typically feel like work. Getting paid to do what you love is something I wish more people could experience. It makes the hard days at work worth it. and enables you oftentimes to achieve more than you ever thought was possible. I know this because I've experienced it before and I have that right now. I absolutely love what I do, which means work is challenging and fun. If you're not feeling challenged while you're also enjoying what you're doing, then it's time to really think about what you're passionate about. I'll repeat it again. Life is too short to not love what you do. Next, we've talked multiple times on previous episodes about the importance of focusing on the customer, but it's worth repeating again. We need to focus on building the best customer experience. And that means we need to be constantly asking ourselves, what difference will this make to our customers? Are we wanting to use a new technology just for the sake of using it? And trust me, I get the excitement around shiny objects. We've all been distracted by them. But will it truly provide value to our customers? Will it make their experience better so they become brand advocates, increase their spend, refer their friends, and so forth? 
And that means you're going to likely have to say no to so many things or 99 as Cynthia says. So you can say yes to that one. There's a ton of value in saying no, and we all need to get better at doing that myself included. Finally, it's impossible for everyone to know everything, especially in this world of information overload that we all live in. And that's why it's so critical to focus on the basics. And I think what Cynthia said provides a good reminder of that concept in our conversation. No one can be an expert on everything, but you can learn the basics for your career path and then become an expert in one area of your career. I think this is super valuable feedback as new graduates enter the workforce. No one really expects you to know everything all the time, but we do want you to have a strong understanding of the fundamentals and the desire to learn. Now, here's my challenge for the week. If you're not familiar with web components and Docker containers, two of the topics that Cynthia and I talked about in our conversation, you really need to start educating yourself on these topics. They're really hot in the development landscape and they're helping people become more efficient than ever before. So spend 15 to 20 minutes, dive into each one, and you'll start to see quickly the value that they can provide. I'm Stephanie Cox, and you've been listening to Mobile Matters. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Until then, be sure to visit Lumivate.com and subscribe to get more access to thought leaders, best practices, and all things mobile.